That's good morning in English. <laughs> Before we have the opportunity to listen to Earl, I certainly want to recognize some of the camping. I know that. Um, but just so you are aware, here are some of our kids. Here's three of our kids that are going to come on up, guys. Myra Varner is going to be going to camp. Um, Ella Carpenter is going to camp. Emerson Carpenter is going to camp. Mia Ano, Nathan Ano, Seth Skidmore, and I believe Kinsley Ailey is going to camp uh, this, uh, this week. What camp are you guys going to? Do you, do you know? Do you remember? Camp Wesley. Camp Wesley. All of you? Are you guys all? Do you guys, do you guys know? Not sure? I, I'll tell you what. There's some good camps, and I know whichever one you go to, you guys are going to have a great time. That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, I just want to pray for these guys before they go. All right, you guys ready for this? You guys going to have, have some fun? Yeah? You excited to get away from the house for a little bit? Yeah? Are your parents excited to have you away from the house for a little bit? Uh -huh. You think so? I doubt that. I doubt that. In fact, when you guys get back from camp, your parents are probably going to be upset that you guys have been gone for so long. And so I would very quickly get back into the same routine. I would, uh, I would just really express myself all the time for all the things I wanted and needed very loudly in your home because they're going to be so happy to have you guys back. I think that's probably the best way to do it. What do you guys think? think that's, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's pray for these kids. Father, we thank you so much. It's hard to express, Father, just the absolute love and appreciation for beautiful, beautiful children that you make and that you give us. We thank you that they have the opportunity to go to camp this week, but as much or more than that, we thank you that they are in this place and in this position to, to know who Jesus is. And at a young age, to, be re to, to recognize and, and be introduced to our Savior. Father, I ask that you will strengthen that. I ask that they will, as, as your son Tommy said, never forget. Never forget how much Jesus loves them. I ask, Father, that you will protect them while they're away, that you'll help them to have a good time at the same time, if that's possible, safe and a good time. And, Father, I also ask that you'll help them to learn more about how much Jesus loves them and to show that, to show that to others after they learn. I thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. You guys have a good time, all right? want a full report. When you get back, you understand? Written up, typed up, 12-point font, double-spaced. Have it on my desk. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys have fun. <laughs> well, we have uh, been talking this last month and even a little bit longer than that about spiritual battles played out on battlefields. Played out on battlefields around the world and in our own backyard, but really more to the point, in our own lives and in our own hearts. We need to be protected for these things, protected by Jesus Christ. But there is another field that's just as important, and perhaps more so. And perhaps this is the type of spiritual battlefield in and of itself, and that is certainly the mission field. Again, the mission field can and is, can be or is anywhere and everywhere we find ourselves. I hope that is something that you know and understand. It can be in our homes, 
places of work, our towns. It could even be in our church. But there are some who take on the responsibility of expanding the kingdom of Christ into areas of the world that many seldom venture into. We have had some of those opportunities, and hopefully we'll have some of those opportunities again. I do want to thank, uh, certainly if they hear this, uh, Kim and David uh, Whitaker and also their daughter Megan. They, were, uh, they spent their time with us the entire week of this craziness at VBS. Uh, explaining the importance of Central Brazil Mission and Project Amazonas. Um, with the Missions Committee match, just so you are aware, we ended up raising, the kids ended up raising $2,850 to send back uh, with Earl to the Central Brazil, Central Brazil Mission. And, and that is with all of these kids. In fact, my son did the same thing. He said... It's important to give. I want to give. What can we give? And all of these kids think that same thing. And so if you get the chance to talk to your kids, I want you to thank them, and also I want to thank you for that. And, of course, we appreciate Kim and Megan and David's time spent with us. Today, however, many of you already know Earl Hobner and his wife, Ruth Ann. Some of you have had the joy and challenge of spending some days and weeks on the Amazon River with them. For those of you who may not know, Earl and Ruth Ann have been the boots on the ground and directing the work of Central Brazil Mission for 52 years. 52 years. I'm 40 years old. They've been doing this a long time. 52 years. And of course, you know that this is a mission that this church supports with time, treasure, and talent for many, many years. Earl and Ruth Ann live in uh, Brazil. They live in a town in Brazil, but I can't yet pronounce it, so they live in Brazil. <laughs> and they have a deep love and appreciation for the villages and churches they serve. Today, Earl has been gracious enough to share some of the finer points of CBM, Project Amazonas, and keep us updated on the incredible work uh, that they're doing in that part of the world. So if you'll join me in welcoming Earl Hopner. Too long, too long. <laughs> you, <here's it. laughs> you uh, probably don't realize this, but Ruth Ann and I were disciples of Lynn and Julie's. And at one time, there were three couples of us and all six of us had grown up in Brown County within 12 miles of each other, and we all ended up as missionaries in Brazil. And we did because Lynn had been the youth minister at the church in Georgetown uh, when we got a calling to go to Brazil. And so they are a part of our lives, and we appreciate them and the church here that is part of our ministry. Ora, aquele que é poderoso para fazer infinitamente mais do que tudo quanto pedimos ou pensamos, conforme seu poder que opera em nós, a ele seja glória na igreja em Cristo Jesus por todas as gerações, para todos sempre. Amém. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. 
that was and is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And I want you to get a, a feeling of the vision and the dream that has happened in our lives that can happen in your life. Uh, we were preaching in, in Hagensport, Ohio, having a good ministry, and then one day we get a letter from Lynn Cleveland. He says, Earl, you need to come to Brazil and work with us. Well, at that time, back in the early 60s, the Christian church was sending out a lot of missionaries. And there were a lot of recruits, and a recruit is someone trying to get to the mission field. And I saw these couples that were recruits, and they had been recruits for four or five years. And it is a hard life because you put your kids in the car and you travel church to church trying to raise the support you need to get to the mission field. And some of them had been four or five years doing that. But we felt God wanted us to go to Brazil, but we prayed the following. said, God, we will go to Brazil if, that what you, if that's what you want. But here's the way it is. You've got two years. Because I'm not going to put my wife and kids through what I've seen other recruits going through. You've got two years. And if we don't have the money we need in two years, that's a sign that we're not called to go to Brazil. Eighteen months later, we were in Sao Paulo in a language school studying Portuguese. And ever since then, God has directed us, and I learned something about praying. You don't just pray, oh God, if it's your will, it'll happen. You need to mark dates. God wants to know that you're serious about what you're praying about, and God will answer Either yes or no, and you go on with life. Well, for us, God took us to Brazil, and we went. And it was interesting because he kind of showed us during the first term that he was in charge. Because at that time, we had about $1,200 support. But 400 of that came from a church near Paris, Kentucky, that we had helped start their faith promise, helped them develop the faith promise mission program. And they were supporting us 400 of the 1,200. One-third of our support came from that church. Well, one day we get a letter. And the church says, well, we're having trouble with the church, and we can only support you one more month. So one-third of our support is going to be gone. Same month, before we even finish the month out, we get a letter from a church we had not visited that had saw about our work or seen we were, you know, in Brazil. And they said, well, we have decided we're going to support you now $400 a month. Well, you just learned God is in control. And ever since then, God has provided everything that we need to do what he wants to do with us in Brazil. So after then, we, we then moved, uh, studied, we went with another, studied Portuguese for a year, and then worked with another couple for uh, another couple years, and then we moved to Goiânia. And then in March of 1974, we started the Nobody's Auntie Church. It was a government housing project. They were about in four city blocks, there were 15,000 people going to live in these little houses, government housing. So we started the church there. And God again gave us a sign because when you start a church, you need people. I didn't know anybody in the subdivision. Of course, it was a new subdivision. We went house to house, calling on people, government housing. The whole house was about as big as this platform. And it was just house wall, house wall, the whole thing. And so we ended up showing video slides. Uh, we had a you probably don't even know what a slide projector is, but we used a slide projector and we showed slides on the outside of this house to attract people. And so, and God, God, it's so funny how he works. Because this couple, Senor Antonio and Dona Jaimunda, both have been married before. And together now, their mates had died and they, they came together. They had 28 kids. 
That's the kind of, the kind of family you want when you start a church. <laughs> and so we started that church in March of 1974. And the church grew. We grew to about 120 members. And then in 1979, we had a church growth conference with Donald McGavern. Donald McGavern was the founder of the church growth movement. Him and Peter Wagner, who was a um, writer for church growth, came to Brazil and, and all of the missionaries there, we met. And Dr. McGavern said, the, the, one of the first things he said, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Well, didn't they know. He said, you need to set goals. You need to dream. That changed my life. Because we learned that week to set goals. We had the one church, so we decided, okay, 10 years from now, where do we want to be? So we wrote down how many churches we wanted, how many Christians we wanted. And at that time, we had the one little church. Well, I don't have time to go through all, the, all that happened. But from that one church, when we celebrated 40 years in Brazil, and we just celebrated 50 years two years ago, and it's probably more now, but it, when we celebrated 40 years in Brazil, from that church, we had started, and they had started, more churches. We had probably 60 churches and we had baptized 40,000 people. Now it's probably 50,000 because those churches, our, our mission statement is make disciples, make better disciples, you're going to make more disciples. And it's a multiplication of disciples and a multiplication of churches. And so those churches continue to do that. And so the churches are growing. We have national preachers. We have a Bible college. They're being trained. And so back in the 80s and the 90s, the Brazilian church now becomes a missionary church. Brazil has probably sent out more missionaries even than the United States. Brazil is a, a missionary country that's sending out missionaries. And so in 1990s, 1994, we decided at the Nova Horizonte Church, we were still there at the, the mother church, that uh, we wanted to become a missionary church too. So for a month, we had, I'm worried about this guy that's supposed to be up there in the booth to give me a signal when it's, I, oh, there he is, okay. Now, I'm just making sure you're up there. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I'm on a time, you know, I got to keep, I, I don't want you to get upset, so... Now, where was I? I don't have time to start over. <laughs> so we decided to be a missionary church. So for a whole month, we had something at church every night. We prayed and fasted and said, God, we want to be a missionary church. One week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks went by. With the beginning of the fourth week, I get a call from this guy that I had known in Goiânia. Goiânia is where we live. In Goiânia, that uh, said, Pastor Francisco, that's my name in Brazil. They can't say Earl. My name is Pastor Francisco. He said, Pastor Francisco, he said, you know, I know you and, and none of your work there in Goiânia, but I am married now. He was single at the time. He said, I married an Argentina gal and we've got a little church here in Manaus and we're going to Argentina. And we'd like for you to come and take over this church. Well, I knew nothing about Manaus. The only time that I'd ever been to Manaus was we, we used to fly from Goiânia, from Goiânia back to the United States. We'd go Goiânia, Brasilia, Manaus, Caracas to get to Miami. 
And so on one of these trips, we were at the Manaus airport at 6 o'clock in the morning, and people getting off and on the plane, and I just stepped off the back door of the plane, just as people got on and off, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning, it was about 100 degrees, and the humidity was about 100%, and I thought to myself, who in the world would ever want to work and live here? Never let God even know you think things like that. Because on January 25th, 1995, I flew to Manaus with a couple and their three kids, and we took over this little church. The church was in a bad place, so we had to rent another place, and then rent another place. The church started to grow. And so in the Amazon, when you travel from place to place, you travel by boat, by a ferry boat. And that's the only way, because there's no roads in the Amazon. There's no roads. But there are 1,100 tributaries of the Amazon. And so that's all, all rivers. And so when you, when you travel from a, a town to a town, and the church of Manaus had started an, another church down the river at Urucara. And so now the preacher that lived in Urucara is going back and forth to Manaus every once in a while, so he knows the guy that's the captain of the boat. So... Pastor Geraldo called me one day and he said, Pastor Francisco, if we're going to have a good work in the Amazon, we need a boat. I said, okay, let's pray. Who knows? Maybe God wants us to have a boat. And so in October of 98, I'm in Manaus with Pastor Geraldo and we're going around and seeing what's it going to cost for some kind of a boat to help these people that live in the villages. And so it was about $50,000 for a used boat or if we we're going to build a boat, it was about $50,000. But this guy that runs the ferry boat now from Urukara to Manaus and knows our preacher, he wants to talk to us. And he says, you know, I'd like to help you with your boat. I know you're wanting to help our people here that live along the Amazon. And, and, and I've got a boat that I use once a month with my family and I would like to help you and I'll sell it to you. And so he pulls out a picture of kind of a yacht-like boat. And he said, all I want is 120,000 120, hay ice, Brazilian money. Converted at that time was $110,000. Well, I just took the picture in my, my agenda and kind of forgot about it. And so we come back to the States in December of 98 to spend 1999 on furlough. And so we're on, we're on furlough, and our, our trustees meeting at that time approved the project that I could now raise money for a boat project in the Amazon. And so we're on furlough and we're going church to church and visiting churches, you know. So we're at the Mandarin Christian Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Dennis Bratton is the preacher. Dennis's dad had been an elder in the church that first sent us to Brazil in July of 1969. So Dennis and I had grown up together. We'd gone to Bible college together. And now Dennis is preaching at, at Mandarin. But when we first went to Mandarin, back in the 70s, the church ran about 125. Now it's 1999, they're running about 3,000, and they're in a $14,000, $14 million building program, and I'm there to raise money for missions. Huh, well... Dennis and I are good friends, and I, I wasn't about to cause problems. They had a $100,000 a month payment on their mortgage for this new church they're building. And I didn't want to cause problems in the church. So I didn't, I didn't say anything about, about money during my sermon. But at that time, they had four services. 
And all I had to do was get up and had 20 minutes instead of 30 minutes. I had 20 minutes to get up and, and, and preach and then sit down and 600 in, 600 out, a new group, same service, again, four times. Well, in my sermon, I talked about a vision to have a boat to work in the Amazon. Well, in between one of these services, this gentleman walks up to me and he said, well, I just heard you preach. Now, I want you to get this. Begin to get the story. This man is not a member of the church there. He happens to be there the day that I preach. Okay? Just happens to be there. And he said, I just heard you preaching. You have a vision to have a boat to work on Amazon. He said, my wife and I, we help with a mission projects sometime, and we go half on a project. He said, how much is this boat going to cost? I said, well, about $50,000. And I never will forget this. He said, Barbara, come here. You just heard the guy preach, and they want a boat, and they need $50,000. Don't you think we can give $25,000? And I put my arm around him. I said, I'm sure you could. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said, look, I, I don't want to cause, I didn't know he wasn't a member of the church. See, I said, no, no I don't want to cause problems in the church. I said, you better talk to the dentist, talk to the leadership, because I'm not here to cause problems. It kind of scared me. Well, Three weeks later, we get a check from Bill Crawford for $25,000. Now, I want to jump from March of 99 to 2014, where we have had now, for the last few years, top surgeons, surgeons from Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, come to work on our boat because Bill Crawford goes to the doctor at Mayo Clinic. And when he goes to the doctor at Mayo Clinic, he talks about the boat in the Amazon. And he, I remember him telling me that. He said, Earl, someday we're going to have people from Mayo Clinic come on. Bill, you're crazy. Mayo Clinic surgeons coming to work in the Amazon? But they do. Every couple years now they bring surgeons and we have a little, couple little hospitals we work in. They do 40 to 50 surgeries in five days. And those people would die if they didn't have the surgery. Now, back to 99. So now we have almost $50,000. So I called Pastor Gerardo. I said, Pastor Gerardo, I said, you know, we've got almost $50,000. What's it really going to cost? I got to know what's going to cost to build this boat. He said, well, it's about 70000 well, but he said, you, you remember Senior Audio Valda, the guy that showed you the picture of the boat he had? He, he, he wants to help. So he's come down on his price. Time up. Okay, I got that. Hey, you're on the ball. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Okay. Um, he came down on his price. Instead of 120000 now, it's 70000 now look what happens. Between October of 98, when the boat was $110,000 because of the exchange rate, April of 99, guess what had happened? The dollar went up on the exchange rate. The same boat now is $40,000. So I called one of our trustees. I said, Alden, what are we going to do? He said, let's go see the boat. So we went and, and made a deal. And I remember sitting in, in Senior Aldebaldo's office in Urucara, where he had the boat, paid him $40,000 in Brazilian money to get the boat to help the people in the Amazon. 
But at that time, the preacher that we had in Udukada was living in a house owned by the same man. And I said, Junior, I said, you know, we're paying rent every month for Pastor Yvonne's house. Why don't you give us a house too? He said, okay. <laughs> you can have the house. Don't pay, you don't have to pay rent anymore. So we ended up getting a boat and the house. And that's how we started Project Amazon, Christ's Life and Health in the Amazon. And ever since March of 2000, we have done trips every month. We have probably done over 250 trips helping these people in the Amazon. Now, I want to give you an idea of what you find in the Amazon before we see the video and, and go to the Amazon. It's completely different. I was telling the kids at, during Vacation Bible School Thursday night, when we first started, we saw kids that were three and four years old, had so many worms, had worms coming outside their neck, under their arm, I mean, just full of worms. And so... Our main medicine now is worm medicine and vitamins. And on a trip, we will give, everybody that comes on the boat gets a wormer, a dewormer. <laughs> and they get, 60, they get 60 vitamins, two months supply of vitamins. On each trip, we distribute 30 to 40,000 vitamins, plus the worm medicine, plus other medicine. So on one of these trips, we're at a village where we, we have a missionary there and we treat people. And, and uh, Gilberto said, that, you know, there's another village on back here, but it, they're kind of rough. I don't think we, you, you ought to go back there. I said, okay. So a couple of times we were there at his village. They came by coming from town and, and they came on the boat to be treated. Well, they wouldn't look at you. They couldn't, they, they couldn't talk. You know, we, we couldn't understand them. So they came on the boat and we... And finally, after a couple of trips, they said, why don't you come back to our village? Well, we did. Gilberto went with us. Very poor, poor, poor. This young girl came on the boat with a little baby that was six months old and weighed six pounds. It was just like a raggedy Ann doll. And she didn't have any milk. They didn't have any food in the village. Ruth Ann, we, we happened to have formula on the boat. And she fixed formula and gave it to that, that girl. And you're going to see on the video, this boy now is five or six years old. You hold him by the arm, it's like a broomstick. And his legs, he's very skinny, but he's alive. And they didn't want us there at the time. Now we have a church in that village and have a, a preacher there. And that's how God works. And Ruth Ann and I, we are old, but we don't plan to retire. As long as we can keep going, we're going to keep going. So you got your life jacket? Get your kids, get your life jacket on. You can't ride on the boat without your life jacket. We're going to go down the Amazon. So you're going to see now what it's like to do a trip on our boat. Thank you.
Well, I certainly want to thank Earl for his time here, and I hope that many of you here are excited about not only this mission, but the different opportunities we have uh, to attend and to help. I know that the last time uh, we had this chance, everything was, the whole world was kind of shook up in 2020, and we didn't get a chance to. I know that we have an opportunity in 2023, and uh, we may have uh, different dates as well, but I know we're looking forward to that. So I encourage you not only to continually give uh, to missions, 
but also to consider being a part of this, being actually on the river and sharing in some of this incredible work. I'll tell you, the, the, the groundwork or the, the, the water work is done already, and you get to participate and build on top of that, and it truly is something special. Uh, we're going to do a, something a little different with our clothes. I'm just going to ask God to bless this time, and then you guys are dismissed. Don't forget, we do have a lunch after our second service, and you can talk to Earl, meet him, uh, have a chance to do that, okay? Father, we thank you for the love that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work of missionaries around the world, and we thank you, Father, that we have the chance to do that, to participate in many different ways in our life, and uh, certainly whether it's support or whether it's actually being there. Father, I ask that, uh, that all of us here, as we reflect upon this particular uh, mission, this particular area in which you have workers, that we take this seriously, that we begin to ask ourselves questions of participation, questions of building your kingdom where we are and when we are, uh, but also in different places around the world. I thank you that we have the opportunity to give, but I also thank you that we have the opportunity and will one day complete that joy as we share in the lives of those who have come to know Christ through the different work of your missionaries around the world. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you're dismissed.